good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. didn't necessarily have a, a prosperity of the heart. And around the Christmas time, he went down to the market, and there were a lot of people there. And he was noticing that everyone around there were, were very happy, and they were very joyous. Yet, they didn't have much. They didn't have anything near to what he had in his life. And this caused him to want to get more thinking this was going to give him satisfaction and happiness and joy. But the more that he got, the more ruthless he became in his own business, and the less joy he was experiencing. And this perplexed him. It puzzled him. He was puzzled because, you know, the people around him were in such joy and happiness and enthusiasm. They were enjoying their families. They were enjoying their work. They were enjoying giving, you know, to their community in ways that they could give. And this kind of gnawed at him a little bit. So he decided one day to go see this monk, of course. And he said to this monk, he said, you know, I, I know all the people that come to you, and I want to catch that joy that these people are living in. I want you to teach me your yoga. I want to teach me your presence and so I can connect with this this joy, this comfort and joy that these other people are doing. And the monk said to him, well, uh, it's too late for you. And the man was stunned to hear him say these things out of his mouth and said, what do you mean it's too late for me? And so that guru, monk, said to him and explained to him, well, it's too late for you because I can see by your aura you're going to be unalive in about 10 days. So for the next few days, just go about and do what you've been doing and whatever you think is going to make you happy because I can't teach you in 10 days. And of course, this man did not want to accept this at all. And he said to him, uh, but aren't you the guy that everybody says that with God, all things are possible? And the monk said, yeah, that's true. But, you know, you're going to be gone in 10 days. So I can't waste my time with you. But here's the deal. I'll make a bargain with you. I'll make a deal with you. If you are still around after 10 days, which I don't think you will be, I, I doubt it, I will then give you the teachings. And so the man went back home. He was somewhat sad and downtrodden. 
And he was sitting in his office at his desk, and his assistant and his accountant came to him and said, uh, do you want me to go and you know, collect these loans that are outstanding, that this one guy that owes you a whole bunch of money, do you want me to go out and get it from him? And the man said, no, no, because uh, he knew that he wasn't going to be here after 10 days, and so he simply told his assistant, just tell the man that you know, I loaned him the money because you know, I had way more than I needed, and that he can pay me back whenever he can. And so his assistant, the accountant who had kept track of everything for him, was stunned when he looked at this guy. He was wondering, who are you? Because this guy had never acted this way before. And then the man who had only had 10 days to live said to his accountant, you know, as a matter of fact, get my brother on the phone. You know, we haven't spoken in over 10 years, and I've been upset with him. He's been upset with me. I cut him off. We haven't communicated at all. And tell him I want to see him. And so his assistant did call, and, and uh, the brother came to him immediately, and they hugged, and they embraced. And then he said to his brother, you know, I apologize how we separated from one another and what went on between us. I just want to know, I let you know that I love you, and I forgive everything that's happened between us. Let's just be friends and family again. And his brother was just shocked when he saw this because he had never witnessed his brother act like this before in his life. And then the rich businessman started setting up special accounts for children to go to school in his community. He was giving away money to charities and good causes in his community. Then the people in the community were also stunned when they heard about this man's generosity. You know, they, they were even further taken aback and just less flabbergasted when he began to stop and he began to talk to people and expressing loving kindness toward every individual that crossed his path and were present with him. And soon the word began to get out in the entire community. Since this man had gone to visit this monk, something had happened to him. And then finally the tenth day came. And the man was nervously looking at his watch and certain that the grim weeper was on his way at any moment to take his life because this monk had never been wrong in any predictions that he had. But he was so nervous and, ex and, and so forth, he eventually fell asleep from nervous exhaustion. And he woke up the next day and he looked around and he touched himself and said, my God, I'm still alive. So he ran up the hill to, to where the monk was and said to him, now you told me that if I was alive after 10 days, you would give me your teachings, that you would give me your yoga. You would tell me how I connect with the spirit of the living God. They have that comfort and joy and enthusiasm that these other people have. And the monkey, monk, monk, monk said to him, he wasn't a monkey, he could have been a monkey, but, but the monk said to him, I already have. I've already given you the essence of my teachings. To live deliberately for the spirit of the living God. Live for the essence of good. And it will be expressed through you in and as your life. And you will experience true abundance. You will experience true joy in your life. Amen. You know, today's the last day of our Advent. Today, of course, is joy. And we've been talking about how Christmas and Advent season reminds us of spiritual truth, 
spiritual truths and principles that we've been gifted with. These include powers of, of the faith and the love and the joy and the wisdom and, and of course, you know, all the things that are good and perfect. And as we look at joy and talk about joy, sometimes we may look around the world and we listen to some people's conversations and people may wonder, like that man who had great prosperity, what happened to the miraculous life energy that has brought us into existence? Sometimes we may feel like the emotional energy of the world is flatlining. Maybe in the country it seems like it's flatlining. After all, people will say, what do you mean we've been gifted with joy? Have you, have you looked on the internet lately? Don't do that. <laughs> if they say that, they may say, you know, do you know what's happening? Do you see all the conflicts that are going on across the planet? The suffering that's seemingly taking place on our world. Have you seen the statistics on gun violence and deaths just this week? The lack of joy seems to be justified. And then you add on top of that, where we sense a world where a number of people are fascinated, maybe even caught up in only the materialism that sometimes shouts us at us so loudly at this time of the year where we may forget about the essence and the real meaning of Christmas. Or maybe we're caught up Maybe not you, but some people are caught up in the reality shows that has nothing to do with reality. <laughs> They're trying to experience somebody else's life from afar. It appears that many people have become resigned, that they have been given up their remarkable potential, that they are consenting to creeping in life instead of soaring in life. So we want to remember that life's purpose was given to us by the master teacher when he said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And I would add even to that, to have it more freely, to have it more vibrantly, to have it more madly, to have it more consciously, more lovingly, more enthusiastically, and of course, more joyously. That Christ's nature gives us a charge for such a life. And we are here to fire that up. We're here to practice that joy by reexamining our orientation, where we're focusing our attention so we can develop more positive and more presence in this life. So we may ask how we do this, how to make joy life regardless of what we may be going through or growing through. I always like to say there's no definitive how-tos. You know, we can take a class, a workshop, seminar. It's never like that. It's always a process. That gives us strategies to keep us in that joy. And we realize that we can get involved in that when we recognize that we always have a choice. There was a gentleman who went to work every day and, you know, he had his lunch in his lunchbox and, and he came to his lunch and he would open it up and he would say something like, man, peanut butter again? <laughs> so the next day he would come back, open up his lunchbox and Look inside and say, peanut butter again? And he did this day in and day out. Finally, one of his coworkers, you know, just got exasperated for him and by him. And he said to him, look, man, if you don't want peanut butter anymore, just tell your wife to give you something else. And the guy said, man, leave my wife out of that. I make my own sandwiches. <laughs> Understand one of the greatest freedoms <laughs> I need no more laughter here. <laughs> Is that we have the ability to choose. We, at any moment, we can choose the palette of our emotional sky, so to speak. 
And we alone can activate the very energy and emotion through which we experience this thing called life. So if we wish to feel joy, if we wish to feel that gratitude in our life, then we must direct our beliefs, we must direct our behaviors in order to accomplish the very end of joy. And we must do it constantly with the force and with repetition and, and so that those emotions become the colors of our daily attitude. Now, it sounds simple, but it's not that easy. But let that be our mission. You know, perhaps the, the key requirement of a good life is to have the constancy of our mind to maintain our joy, to maintain our gratitude, even amidst hardship, even amidst pain, even amidst injustice. You know, there's a story about the Dalai Lama, and uh, he was, I think, giving a lecture, a bunch, a bunch of people, and right in the middle of the lecture, his assistant came up to him and kind of whispered in his ear and apparently let him know that one of his close allies had, had passed on. And Dalai Lama had said that he experienced the crucifixion of that moment. But what had happened is that right after that, he went back into the energy of joy so he could really connect with the people that were there right before him. You know, he practiced exuding joy on a regular basis so even in challenging situations, he can get back into that joy. Now, most of us are not there on that level of, of consciousness. You know, even without extreme hardship or pain in life, you know, some of the studies show that 25% of America feels depressed over long periods of time. Sometimes it's chemical and genetic, but oftentimes it's the research saying that many people are afflicted with something far deadlier than ordinary pressures of life or even some chemical or genetic causes. They're often the victims of their own resentful judgments. You know, some of the research has shown that, you know, where resentful thoughts in people's minds reduce, their sense of sadness and depression also declines rapidly. You know, there was a story about a, a physician who had a patient, and the patient had this joyless life. Because he always had these resentful thoughts, including harshly rebuking and, and criticizing his workers around him. I don't know if people that you know like that are always criticizing something. They criticize as if there's some sort of prize in it. But he often would end up giving out sharp edge words toward other people. And he said the man was so desperate for relief from his chronic depression, he was willing to have it beat out of him. That thought that was a little extreme. And so the doctor said, you know, maybe there's something else you could do less drastic. He said, try a little spiritual discipline instead. And he told the man to constantly stop or break his vengeful impulses and refuse as best he could from turning his hostile thoughts into hurtful comments or punitive actions. And just to do that every day for one year. And he found out in less time than that. That particular patient of the doctor got better. His depression and sadness went away. Joy returned to his life. And he said that the doctor left him with this message and this advice. He said, never, ever allow yourself to entertain malicious thoughts under any circumstance, no matter how provocative they may be. He said, forgive people that, you know, we may not want to forgive. And we 
hurt ourselves whenever we carry a grudge against anyone, any person, any institution, and that's no way to live, and it stops our own joy. I think this is what is necessary for self-mastery and joy. There can be no mastery of life if we cannot transform the energy we feel at any moment to cheerful engagement and deep appreciation. That's why I like the, the, the presenter here. He talked about the alchemist. We can transform anything to a higher level of being. Now, we'll have people who call themselves realists. They tell, well, this is impossible. You know, they've abandoned hope. And they will say that our world is too stressful and too cruel, that our genetics and our environment are destined to dominate our life and our feelings. But I always like to say that we can always think independent of any circumstance. That's our special power that we all have. And we can determine what our attitude will be. It's our inner attitude that determines our experience, not the circumstance. As one individual told me, if I was going through some challenges, you know, with my own way of seeing the world, he said, it's your, it's your tood dude that's putting you in your mood. <laughs> it's our own inner attitude that's making all the difference. Understand, there are those faces are so alight with life that they serve as a blinding reminder that amid the seeming darkness that we go through, that joy is always there and hope always exists. You know, years ago, I, when I was at Union Worldwide Ministries, we went to uh, Nigeria. And uh, they had a lot of really fabulous places in Nigeria, high end. It's very different from what a lot of people think. But they also have some challenging places. And I remember one time we went to a school there. And they didn't have all the creature comforts that, you know, most of the schools here in the United States have, even the ones that are so-called not so good. You know, they didn't have any, like, projectors or computers or, you know, sometimes they just had plain wooden chairs and desks, chalk, and a chalkboard. That was it. But they all had tremendous joy. And I remember that we had, you know, went out and bought some pens and I think it's not even pen, just pencils and paper just for that particular school, you know, because we rounded up some money for that. And you would have thought that we had bought them a brand new Maserati because they were so grateful in that blissful joy and had appreciation for everything. And some of them may have come from challenging environments. Some of them may have come from, you know, challenging economic circumstances. But they didn't choose to see it that way. They didn't bring any sense of lack. They seemed to be blissfully aware and deeply thankful for the blessings, even though those blessings may be considered few and far between compared to our standards. So I think these few and the energized and the happy and the thankful among us are not lucky, nor are they to be envied, for their treasures are available to all of us. Their treasure is a freely chosen attitude. And we're not blind to the fact that, you know, yes, sometimes it's difficult to choose joy when we're in an agitated, chaotic, and sometimes angry world. Sometimes we're wired, you know, to mirror sometimes the emotions that vibrate around us. Sometimes that's good. Maybe we have a blessing that we've been given whenever there's times of grave danger years ago because it maybe it prevented us from being maimed or proud or, or murdered or by a band of people around us. 
So it was very primal. Maybe it was still within us, but we use it in a way that doesn't serve us today. And sometimes we mirror the impulse around us, and it can really bring our lives down. So the energy of the collective consciousness is at best sometimes just a very low vibration. And if we get caught of it, in it then we'll be showing and radiating that low vibration as well. But we want to ask ourselves, should I conform to their energy, to those folks around us? The more we automatically allow ourselves to sync with other people's energy levels, particularly if it's low, it will affect us. So we want to get involved only with energy that is of love, enthusiasm, and joy. All those things we wish to feel. Because the more we diminish our personal power, the more we don't bring the joy to our life. So we ask this question, what is the magic? What is the secret of the joyous folks that seem in joy all of the time, who illuminate our world? Well, I think there's a simple formula, as I mentioned. They simply are more conscious and consistent in their attempts to sense and generate joy, to generate gratitude. Maybe they just try harder, making joy a practice, a habit, a consistent condition of their own character, an enduring social art amid glum and sometimes boring times. They just make that choice. They made it their aim to live a joyous life. That is all they've done. So let us look at the instruction sometimes of little people called kids. They're in that joy nearly all of the time. They have that joy naturally. You know, they're curious. They don't hold on to expectations much. They take pleasure in the small things and expect good things, and they let go of the bad things really quick. And they cheerfully engage in the moment. I think those who perfect bringing joy to everyday life are not unlike any other master of something. They work at it. Then they bring that seemingly challenging situation and make it into play. You know, the greatest artists and athletes and high-achieving business people and entrepreneurs, the happiest laborers and the most respected leaders all lose themselves in their work in great zeal and enthusiasm because it's never about them. It's about something bigger than themselves. Their efforts are like a game. So even in chaos, even in turmoil, they meet struggle with intense and spirited joy. And they engage in the challenge and honor as if they expect it and they accept it. I said, like I said, even amongst discomfort, even amongst the complexity of building their lives and their careers, they'll sometimes just feel unfazed by it all, and they bring a serene energy to it. And sometimes they just sing while they toil. They simply smile, no matter how perplexing the situation may be. And we can learn from them. They are the joyous masters. And we can be those joyous masters as well. And sometimes we just need a reminder you know, that we can choose to make joy our life. Sometimes I have to get up in the morning and say, today is going to be a good day. No matter what happened yesterday, today is a good day. We can just say that together. Today is a good day. And we can even sing about it. You know, they say that a generator doesn't have energy. It generates it. It creates it. 
You know, we can create and generate the joy within us at any given moment. We express gratitude and appreciation. And once we begin to do that, we begin to bring that energy and joy that is inherent within each and every one of us. So this Christmas season, as we finish up this Advent series, know the choice is ours. The joy is ours. We just need to decide to make it happen. Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken and something from this Sunday's message. As we want if you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Oh